Hey, we're Damn the Wolves. I'm Jody. I'm Brett. And I'm Rick. And you're listening to Now That's What I Call Damn Good Music. The podcast. So this episode, we're talking about the fifth studio album by Metallica, also titled Metallica, um, but probably most commonly referred to as the Black Album, would you say? I would, yes. Yep. Uh, this was produced by Bob Rock, world famous Bob Rock, um, recorded in Los Angeles and a little bit in Little Mountain Studios in Vancouver. Uh, where were you boys when you first heard any of this? Oh, I was mum and dad's house. I'd have been. <laughs> I was a fifth year student, I think, when this came out, and I, my my friend who also introduced me to lots of other good music. He was a hairy guy, long hair, <laughs> and he had um. He's, he wasn't scary, but he scared me a bit. Hairy and scary. Yeah, and he, he had like big nose rings and earrings, and he had a denim jacket with like Slayer and Megadeth <laughs> and Metallica and Bon Jovi and all these <laughs> patches on his back. And I was I was fond of the Bon Jovi side of it and the Metallica side of it. I kind of every time I thought of Metallica, I thought of this thrash, heavy metal sound which i guess is their sound before this album would you say so More, it's, it's it scared heavier. you yes so it kind of scared me so i <laughs> i kind of never connected with this as an album as a as a young child but obviously the the songs from it are huge and carry you through your through your teens and your 20s right up to now don't they they're yeah iconic oh, songs definitely, definitely this this album can you hazard a guess at how many copies this album has sold i know so i'm not gonna guess oh what do you think, uh, 125 million. Oh, Blimey. That's, I don't know if anything sold that <laughs> much, is it? That's, uh, more, that's more than anyone's ever sold. Well, on the Metallica website, it says that this has sold 35 million copies. But I have oh, read elsewhere, then. this has sold nearly 50 million copies. That is insane. That is amazing. That is an insane amount of, of albums. Well, I thought it was 16, so I don't know where I got that from. Uh, it sold like 16 in America, I think, uh, so that, that might be maybe where from, you've got yeah. that. But um, this sold nearly 600,000 copies in its first week. Wow. Mad. Didn't they play the album? I might get... Oh, no, it's going to be another thing that I come out with that I'm not entirely sure whether I've dreamt it or not. Didn't they play the album in its entirety, like playback, in Madison Square Garden or something? When? Is that true? Before what? the album, as a release party. I don't know. And famously, Kurt Cobain was there. I might oh, really? Have made, I, I might have made all of that it's a, it's a good story. If you've made it up, it's it's a good one. It was a bigger venue than Metallica had ever played as a band. The album was played in as like a launch party. Mm, I wow. don't know. That sounds like a dream you might have had. Might be, yeah. But but very cool. Yeah, so massive, massive selling album. Um, their, their biggest selling album. And, you know, arguably their best best album. It took it. It took know. its time to get there, though, didn't it? As a as a recording project and being introduced to Bob Rock. Yeah, you know, do you know. Weirdly, I read that it only took them two months to write the majority of the material for it. Wow. How but long? It, how long was the recording? A year or something? Eight eight months. Right. But yeah, it's uh, it's 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 famous, isn't it? The recording and and there was a lot of tension in the studio, and you know they chose a producer that they initially weren't happy with, but you know in the end it it worked out, and he he ended up producing their quite a few albums afterwards for Metallica. Was is not? it true that they chose him because they like, or, well, if they didn't like him, maybe they didn't choose him, maybe it was a management decision. They chose him because he produced Dr. Feelgood. And yes. They, they wanted yep. that drum sound. and that They, sort of they loved the, the the heavy sound of Dr. Feelgood. They certainly got that with this album, didn't they? Yeah, weight, I think, is how Bob Rock referred to it. They liked the weight that he You that can certainly hear that on the drums, can't you? Yeah. It's just a massive sounding album, isn't it? It is. 
So should we dig in? Let's go for it. Track one. Oh, before we do yep. that, yep. Brett, did your friend have a Bon Jovi patch on the back with Sepultura, Slayer, and Metallica? Yeah, that's mad. I, I can't Why? picture that. Well, because I didn't realise you could get a Bon Jovi patch. I didn't know that what? was a thing. Do people so like Bon? Jo- I know the the metal and like the the classic rock bands all do it, but yeah, bon- you get Bon Jovi like embroidery patches to sew on your denim yes. jacket. Yes. No way. Didn't know that. I think Brett's got one on his jeans now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I'm just glad he's wearing jeans in there. <laughs> well, kind of. There's, there's lots of holes in them, but, but oh. I'm wearing them. Oh, Let's just... get you a patch for those. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what, a Metallica one? <laughs> Don't want it to scare you, though. Yeah, it will scare me. <laughs> right, track one, Enter Sandman. <laughs> so this <laughs> so this was the first single, which was only released two weeks before the album was put out, which, you know, in today's standard is quite amazing, isn't it, that they put a single out two weeks later that the rest of it was out. Whereas now, as as we know, it's, you know, single, 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 single for for months and months before you get any kind of glimpse of an album. But is that a, that's a metal band, isn't it? With um, yeah. more album orientated, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, yeah, so this was the first single preceded the album by two weeks. Um, can you remember where you were when you heard this? Because obviously this being the first thing from the album that came out. I would have, I would have probably seen it on MTV, probably with you, I guess. Yeah, as a, as I've, I've, really I've got young kid. memories of seeing this on MTV and being... Slightly scared by the video, <laughs> not scared and, as and the themes, but not as scared as Brett. It was my scary mate that had it on cassette, and a Walkman in fifth year, I think, probably played it <laughs> after living on a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, apparently, this was the first uh, bit of music that was written for this album as well. What I didn't realise um, um, until this week is how much of an input Lars had with like the writing and. It was his idea to to change up the the initial riff, wasn't it, at the start? Yeah, it was a Kirk Hammett riff, wasn't it? But it, yeah. it looped differently. Looped differently, and, and it was him that gave it that, well, what really is an iconic riff now, isn't it? That kind of three, and well, then it was sort of tail off on the fourth time, where before it was like a, in groups of four, but... It's got to be up there with um, Smoke in the Water and Back in Black and Switch Out of Mine, hasn't it, now? That, this riff, it's just, it's one of those, isn't it? Yeah, um, re- really iconic. And I think they, him and James Hetfield co-wrote everything pretty much up until that and still do don't they it's it's yeah james hetfield's kind of songs think, and lyrics and lars's kind of arrangement and kind of overseeing it i all think they're them. actually considered sort of co-producers on a lot of this stuff as oh, well okay um obviously alongside bob rock do you, um one thing that i, I l- discovered about this song obviously love the song um you know I've played it in various different bands and different guises and have you sung this yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I didn't. I didn't realize that the the child's voice in this is a, Lars. No. Oh, is <laughs> actually Bob Rock's son. Oh, I thought you said Bob Rock. <laughs> it's not Bob Rock. Oh, yeah, it's Bob Rock's song. Apparently, he took it home, and they were looking for a child's voice. James wanted a child's voice in it. Someone cheap. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Bob got his son Mick, uh, Mick Rock, in to do it. Mick Rock, which is cool. Brilliant. Do you remember the riff to this riff? You got your guitar handy, or no? Yeah, but you don't need. No one needs to hear this riff again, oh, okay. do they? No, I know. No, it's like no. playing Stairway to Heaven in a music shop, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We, I can't do that. I can't play Enter Sandman on a podcast. That is, yeah, Stairway yeah. to Heaven or Purple Haze in a music <laughs> shop, isn't it? <laughs> it's interesting to say that these songs, like to to track them and record them to get that the the best takes, they had to like record sort of. 20 30 takes of just to get the drums in there and they would end up splicing you know the old fashioned way of recording on tape and patching together but um 
fascinating to see that they had to go through endless takes just to just to record parts isn't it different different nowadays to yeah they they set up in a room didn't they and recorded everything live and then retracked to those live recordings but when you hear those sounds you know like those drum sounds and how they're, they're totally authentic and they, they were just not touched it's just that's the sound that was created in that room and, they, and the weight and the big, size and big drums mind aren't they yeah 100 percent. i love the drum sounds on this album do you know i was going to say actually we, we'll probably get there if we talk about the individual songs but what i really like about the drum sounds in this album is that they're the same throughout the whole album it just sounds consistent so even when the softer moments um which we'll, we'll talk about later on there the drums are still massive. Yeah. It's just not like that. Yeah. Oh, I'll just bring a little kit in and play it lightly. We, that, no? we had this conversation this week, didn't we, about it? And I was like, oh, if I've got something to say about it, it's like the production is very sort of across the album. Everything is almost like the same kit, the same sounds. And you're like, well, that's sign of a classic album. That's yeah. if an album is that yeah, for, good. For, for me, that's part of what makes this so iconic is that because every the song yeah. sounds like it's meant to be on that album, which is what makes it such a strong album. It's got an album sound, hasn't yeah. it? Which is great. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. So, yep, great, great opening track. Track number two, Sad But True. Oh, what a riff. It's amazing, isn't it? The sound, yes. the guitar sound, and the drums. The, the groove oh. in this, the, the way that he just sits in it. It's one of his things, isn't it? The way he. Can he I just... play this one? Hang on. Oh, no. Hang on. No, no, no talk amongst no, yourselves. No, it's going to take me a minute. Hang on. One of, one of my favourite bits, Brett, is in the this initial intro before the riff kicks in. Yeah. And uh, you get the. There's, there's a, one snare beat he hits where I don't know if it's a flam. But it's like it really stands out as a sharp, kind of powerful on the snare that he hits. I'm, on my notes, I've written down machine gun sounding snare because it is like a machine. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the weight of the snare drum. Here it is. Yeah, so he's, he's not got that. Oh. Het, he's not got that Hetfield. Well, it's not tuned sound, down. I haven't tuned it down, have I? That's okay. why it's not. Otherwise, we, I'd sound exactly like James Hetfield. We can't obviously. quite hear. You probably need to turn that up a little bit. It's just hang like, on. Whoa, 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 say that again. Say listener. that again. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. It's the first time I'll oh, ever say that. Jody, what have you done? Should we, try, should we try it a little bit louder? Yeah, we get the idea. Oh. It's just yeah, that, it's, it's, it's just a great that song. Kick and snare, isn't it? That how it sits in the. It's, it's almost like it's late every time, but it's not. Yeah. It's just that real so it, clever. Am I right in thinking he was massively inspired by Phil Rudd from uh, ACDC? I would have thought so. Yeah, it's got that behind that the real beat lazy. Feel, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a massive swagger, isn't it? The riff to this, so, and that's what that's what gets the heads. Well, I say banging. It is banging, I suppose, back in the day. But they, that you. Hit, Makes your head quivering move, in, as, it, as it was for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm off. <laughs> it's those crashes on beat two as well, though. I love that. Yeah, thing, yeah. That constant beat two and yeah. four crashes is great, and a really slow tempo for them. Yeah. And that's what was so iconic and different about this album, wasn't it? The slower tempos, big slow tempos, as opposed to the really fast thrashy. Yeah, first four albums. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, one of my favourite feels, Brett, and this is where he goes round the toms, but the other yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah, get the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
which is um but that song isn't it's down a tone for yeah guitar geeks all right we'll have a little guitar geek now and again can we we can geek out how are they recorded guitars like to get that big i mean you're talking like loads of amps and guitars La- layering i think is it layering just layering just... them yeah just tight layering Mm. There's the uh, the famous documentary, isn't there? A year and a, a year and a half in the life of Metallica, part one, which is the the kind of studio side of it, where they've got the speakers shaking in that <laughs> riff. That's because mine wasn't loud enough. Ah, no, don't you don't need to do. I'm that still now. turning up. I've been all this time turning <laughs> it up. Um, it doesn't go any higher. Okay, oh, it does. Um, so on to track three, holier than thou. Oh, well, look at. Hang on. That one. That's the one. Is it loud enough yet? Yeah, that's Good. fine. <laughs> yeah, um, I love the intro to this song. The, yeah, the drums do. and guitar work so well together in this, don't they? Yeah, and do you, do you know what this intro reminds me of? Which I can't... I, would, I guess it would be influenced by or inspired by in some way, maybe. is It reminds me a little bit of Aerosmith. Really? I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say um, Motley Crue because there's a talk box effect in it. Or Bon Jovi, I guess, because mm, I didn't hear the talk box. In that wow, 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 is is all talk box, right? Like no, famously I, I, I heard... used in um, uh, "Living on a Prayer," isn't it, by Richie Sambora, yes. and by in Doctor Feelgood, both of which Bob Rock produced albums. There mm. we go. Yeah, so maybe that was his idea. But no, it reminded and Peter me of... Frampton. But yes, that's nothing to do with Bob Rock or it, this. It reminded me a little bit of Aerosmith, how they have those quite long drawn out intros before it kicks into the song yeah yeah um, and the, I, there's also a little bit of Guns N' Roses for me about it oh uh, yeah I mean, maybe is, the riff uh, the sort of second riff uh, yeah it's like the I second part of that riff instead of singing it never mind which is um, you know you, you do wonder don't you when they're working on these songs and there's because obviously Guns N' Roses at that time were huge maybe there's that kind of inspiration as to you know oh yeah that sounds a bit bit Guns N' Roses I don't know. Well, maybe that. Not. I think I think it sounds really early Metallica. The start of that, like just thrashy, opening. Just it's all about the rhythm. There's yeah. no, not a lot of notes. It's just great rhythm groove. Yeah. I think this is this the only song I've ever heard where the kick drum is mixed like twice as loud as a snare. If you listen to it and hear how loud the kick drum is on this, it's absolutely massive, it's huge. While you're mm. talking about the mix, who mixed it, by the way, Jody? Do you know that you uh, you always have all the info? No, I haven't. I, don't I know. could look that up. I might look that up. I don't know who it was mixed by. But um, the mix is really interesting. Oh, album, I do it? know. Uh, no, I don't want You nearly went I, Bob Clear Mountain. I there, think didn't it you? is Bob Clear Mountain. Uh, Shall we say that? It's and definitely then it's been remixed by right Bob to Clear us, Mountain. Write to us if we're wrong. Um, the, um, the vocal for Metallica is really prominent, which is great. And the drums are really prominent. But it's, it's how quiet kind of everything else is in between. I mean, mm. the bass is a million times louder than Justice and for Justice All. Justice for All, yeah. It's um, still not prominent there, is it? The, what, the bass? Yeah. I oh. think it, it, the bass is prominent where it needs to be prominent, but it really does add to that kind of thick, weight. heavy sound, that weight. Yeah. The bass sound is actually really interesting. Oh, I sound like a geek. Every time I say really interesting, it's geeky, isn't it? Yeah, I've I've got some boring stuff about this as well. I was just <laughs> going to say how it, how it still allows that kick to be so massive. And, so, the, and the low end on the guitars is mm, massive, mm-hmm. and the bass somehow so, traverses that. So the bass... That. Jason Newstead spent a week with Bob Rock trying every bass, like on in Earth. the world, yeah, and every amp and every combination of those. And guess which Crazy. two he ended with? Which which oh, guitar do you reckon he had? Which, which guitar? Which, which bass? Hang on, isn't it in the year and a half? It's going to be Ampeg. That's why you're saying it. It's, so yes, yeah, it's, it's an Ampeg SVT amp. Yeah, yeah, and it's a Fender P bass. No way. That's what he ended up with. 
What? And that's what surely that's the first that that's the first ones they tried. That's where you start. I guess so. Yes, yeah. so they essentially wasted a week and probably like thousands of dollars. That's what I was saying. And, and at the end, I had a Les Paul and a Strat. It's yeah, like, yeah. But it's, it just goes to show, doesn't it, that yeah. you can't beat that. Like, oh, look out! <laughs> You're right, Joe. Joe's just fallen over. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> I've just knocked something over. <laughs> that's really funny. What have you got in there? An oil can. I'm looking in through the window. I've never seen someone did you panic fall over? so much in my life. His, his hands were going like, oh. I've got a bloody drum in here. That's what it is. <laughs> I hope you didn't fall on that. Listen. Oh, that's I've the one. A that's drum on the floor. That's the one that's missing. You hit that one a minute, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it had gone somewhere. Oh, sorry about that. What did you hit when you went for that one, Brett? Is it just thin I'm, air? Usually, that's what usually happens. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Oh, that's quite funny. Oh. <laughs> right, where were, where were we? I think we were talking about Belinda Carlisle, weren't we? <laughs> so, Holier Than Now, track three. Um, this this was actually the last song recorded for the album as well, what I believe. It? From what I've read, yeah, it was... Um, James wanted more of a live feel, which goes to show what you were saying about that kind of early Metallica feel about it. Um, yeah. yeah, so this and this was written last. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you so, go. Yeah, there we go. Okay, track four, The Unforgiven. Cool. Um, yeah, it's cool. Uh, what I really like about... Sorry, I'm jumping straight with that. What I really like about this is the... Um, there's, well, there's lots of things, but the vocal sound, how he sings so softly in the verses, and then the moment the kind of grunty guitars come in, his his voice, he rasps up his voice as well. It's just real light mm-hmm. and dark. It's great. Oh, yeah. Can I do oh, the raspy that's... guitars? I right, do the obvious guitars. I do them... So it's funny you play that that section when that guitar part comes in in the solo. After yeah. you get the yeah yeah, and then it goes. Is, it, is there a yeah yeah? Then, that's it. That's it. Yeah. The the ri- James's rhythm guitar is the part you've just played. For me, is my favourite guitar sound on the album. Is it? Yeah, I oh. love it. I think it sounds amazing. Okay. Oh, it's great. Absolutely great. And just just the just the rhythm of it that like it's a lazy kind of sat back with Lars yeah 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 oh it's great the groove great yeah. sound yeah Love it's amazing it. contrast isn't it to the start of the album when, when you just get this beautiful acoustic guitar and you just think oh this is like where's this going and then you, you get that big guitar and the big vocal and the, the contrast between like Rick said between the two is just uh, but how it works so well yeah amazing yeah it great does work really well um, another, I can remember uh, the video of this one as well as a kid. This was an MTV thing, wasn't it? Yeah. That's music television for um, anyone below the age <laughs> of like 30. Yeah, this was one of the big singles, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, an- another really cool thing, which I didn't learn until recently, was that James Hetfield, um, he, he was c- kind of quite shy about you know singing this type of stuff because it was so unlike the stuff that they'd done in the past. And it was Bob Rock that kind of you know coached him almost. Um into you know come on you know you can you can do this you've got this in you and james (laughs) james took him a song and he said i you know i want my vocals on the unforgiven and nothing else matters to sound like that and do you know what that song is i do do? i think i've i've read this yeah so he yeah yeah, he took in wicked game by chris isaac which yeah i know you love i do love that song um (laughs) i know i won't do that i've got the wrong sound for that i've got the wrong Um, sound so yeah that that the vocals in the the soft parts of the Unforgiven and nothing else matters were based on Chris Isaac wow. Wicked Game, Never knew. which is really cool, isn't it? Mm. Oh, what a song that is! It's yeah. a great song. 
Track five, Wherever I May Roam. Oh, I'm going to stop doing it. Shall I stop doing it? Is it getting boring? Stop it. Is it loud enough? And then, <laughs> <laughs> the silence says yeah, it all. Yeah. Um, On my notes for this, I wrote, this This is Lars at his best as far as, because it really sums him up, the, the, the groove, and it's just the best, I think the best groove in the album. But the way it switches between the... Um, the, like the halftime feeling, the full time groove. I, 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 he's he's a genius, Lars. He's very um, very clever. clever I guy. love the double kicks in this. The fills with the double kick drums in this. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's it's subtle. It's not like the early stuff, which was so much double kicks throughout it. This, the, it's just done subtly and tastefully. Oh, yeah, I was. Gonna, I, well, yeah. yeah, that's probably the wrong word. I was. No, I nearly used that word, and I thought, well, it's not that the stuff earlier wasn't tasteful. It's just, yeah, it's just, yeah great the whole album's great John. I love the amount of personality you can hear in Lars in this and I think it's the slower tempo it just allows yeah. him to, to do that yeah the, the 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 groove on the toms in the verse of this is is great isn't it and Best can I can I be can I do some geeky stuff about this one mm-hmm. so the riff and the song is in Phrygian mode which obviously both of, yeah see <laughs> but I think you're familiar with that one aren't you Brett <laughs> Yes, that's the one he was thinking. Um, that's but do you not think the solo section where he plays, ready? This is, you both are going to groan now. There's some Phrygian dominant notes like this. That sort of thing. Yeah, sounds, sounds like um, Satriani and, and, <laughs> and Vi. Do you not hear that? When he play, when It, it does sound like do Steve Vi. That sort of thing that you hear in the solos. And it's and he used to have guitar lessons with Joe Satriani, didn't he? Famously. Did he? Oh, Kirk Hammett. Joe Satriani taught Kirk Hammett, which is, you can hear now and again some Satriani-isms. That's a new word. Yeah. And um, this song off the off of this album certainly is where I can really hear it. So all right, mm. I'm done with the guitar geeky stuff now. Let's we move on. Oh, yeah. that is interesting. interesting. Yeah. It's not, I've, is it? I, got, <laughs> I can got, tell when you both go, yeah, that's interesting. We, I did nod off temporarily, yeah. so I, I only, yeah. Do you want me to turn it up a bit? No. Um, i got a funny story about this song. <laughs> I actually had a car crash listening to this song. What did you? I yeah, I, didn't know I did. That. Yeah, yeah. I had I had this album on. on you my kept way that to quiet on the old insurance claim, didn't yeah. you? I had Metallicron at <laughs> I, the time. I didn't put that on the insurance claim. I had this album on probably a little bit too loud, um, and I, <laughs> I pulled my it car. Affect your vision, did it? No, I pulled my <laughs> car. It affected my ears, my hearing. <laughs> I pulled my car into the car park, and I uh, someone else came in, so I had to sort of, you know reverse quite quickly so i put it in reverse and back i went and i had wherever i may roam on rocking out and i didn't hear my reversing sensors because <laughs> you were roaming back i went bang straight into a into a wall <laughs> wow oh so you didn't hit anyone into the wall I, I crashed by myself luckily i went into a timber wall and my car was all right um well not, so it wasn't not quite so, the um, dramatic not, not so yeah. all right, but, uh, <laughs> story that we thought we were going to get. Yeah, I thought that was going to be... <laughs> no, it wasn't anything uh, no, spectacular. You, you reversed into a wooden wall and did no but, damage. Yeah, I did damage the wall, but luckily I, I got a hammer and fixed See, it. See, if you were listening to the stuff that Brett's mate listened to, you might have really knocked the wall down. Yeah, I was grateful. If you're listening actually, to Slayer or Sepultura... I was grateful just, yeah. that I didn't have Slayer on in the car. Yeah. Because I think if, you know, raining blood was blasting out, I might have been in trouble. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there we are. It's a... It's a not so fond memory of this song. Sorry, that, that, that <laughs> crept out. <laughs> it's my fault for asking him to play a riff earlier. He's not uh, yeah, it I, I, yeah. You no, it's Jody said it was a bit quiet. That's what's done it. <laughs> you fool, Brett. Uh, track number six: "Don't Tread on Me." 
I put a wrong note in there, didn't that I? That sounds like... I did. Gonna live in America. It is. It's Leonard Bernstein. Oh. <laughs> did you not get that from the song? <laughs> no. This is... um. It's actually a real cool groove with this because it's, it's kind of a shuffle vibe, isn't it? Which you wouldn't think would work in on such a big, heavy album. But the way that he he plays this, I think, is very, very clever. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a great groove. This one always reminds me of, or I should say, the song Walk by Pantera reminds me of this song. That that groove, that kind of feel, which is great. You don't need to play Walk by Pantera, no. You've Um, got to drop tune for that. (laughs) That one. Yeah, that's the one. Um, Which I love. It's an awesome song. So, yeah, I always always kind of think, you know, the two remind me of each other. I also really like the space in the verses of this when when the verse is kicking. Yeah, 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 yeah. It works yeah. really well. Yeah. And there's the, I think it's like the third or fourth line of the verse. The bass keeps going. So yeah, you yeah, just yeah, hear that yeah. little flash of bass. You think, oh yeah, that's I, awesome. I like the bass in the verse of this. That's the highlight of this song for me. Yeah, it's the bass, yeah, it's great. Bass guitar in the verse, definitely. Yeah. Um, and some great harmony vocals in the choruses. Yeah, as well in yeah. this. There's, which, in fact, the whole album has got. A lot of harmony vocal, well, not a lot, but for Metallica. For Metallica, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I guess is something else they brought in to maybe soften the sound or change the sound slightly. Yeah, it just really picks up on, picks the choruses up, doesn't it? So, yeah. I mean, that and strings and synths and cellos and things like that would have never been heard, I, I don't think so, before that. I'm just going racking my brains through Metallica stuff. So, yeah. That's, yeah, it works really well. I can't stop thinking about Leonard Bernstein's um, West Side Story now. Sorry, that's why I went. <laughs> I, had to, I had to do it as a GCSE music thing. So when you have to do something, you're like... Oh, you, you, thought, you thought you were playing Metallica then? Or I was probably playing Metallica <laughs> then. That's probably what I was doing instead of studying <laughs> Leonard Bernstein. But yeah, because... <laughs> Yeah, sorry, that's why, I, that's why I was quiet then for a moment. I was going through West Side Story in my head. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, track seven, Through the Never. Oh, shall we... Hang on. Oh, am I still in D? Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah. Oh, that's I, a great riff, isn't it? I was a bit slow there because I was still working out whether I was in D or not. Is that switch between half-time and full-time yeah. groove again in this? This is, I think, for as a, as a production and the way that this song is orchestrated, I think it's the best the best song on the album for me. Really? Not oh, the best, no, 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 no. Oh, not the best oh, song, but oh. the, 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 the one that grabbed me as a something on the ear that's just really exciting i just love the production i love the way it's pieced together i love everything about it yeah well i like all of those it's um Parallel. it's a great chorus in this song isn't it some killer drum fills as well it's great it's awesome love it musical i'm again i'm not sure lyrically whether it's a bit kind of for me it's a bit typical kind of hard rock metal kind of universal kind of universe e i should say lyrics isn't it i'm not sure about this Mm. Did you listen to the lyrics of these at all? Um, do you know what? I d- not so much in this song. I, I think because I really love the groove. I guess that's what it, it is. is and you it just is, sit there listening to the riffs. And yeah, the, the I think drums. sometimes my, my brain when I'm listening to music, you know, some, some music, it, it invites you to listen to lyrics, doesn't it? And some music, you just can't not listen to the groove or, or the drumming or... And know, this the, album, the James Hetfield made a, a, apparently, uh, I remember watching or reading or something at the time a conscious effort to be more into the lyrics and work harder with the lyrics which you can I definitely yeah. think you can hear in places yeah, but yeah. some of the others not so much yeah I think it, it depends on the song doesn't it mm. but yeah a lot, the grooves in this are, are great 
Yeah, really, really yeah. good. His his right hand in this song is very strong for me as well. Mm-hmm. We're talking Lars here, aren't we? Not, we are talking not James. James. <laughs> ja- we're talking James's rhythm rhythm oh, guitar. Oh, okay. Play. I thought you were going on about the hi hats. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. James Hetfield's yeah. right hand. Is, like, is, yeah. yeah. But yeah. in this song, it really it really stood out to me. You yep. know, on listening back, thinking, yeah, this is, and it's know. a different way than it's usually used because he's famous for using all down picks, isn't he? Like as quickly as you can do, and that sort of thing. Whereas this is that swung. That kind of yeah. I played walk again by accident, did. then, didn't I? <laughs> can't get that. Can't get walk out yet. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, track eight. Uh, nothing else matters. Tune. Top tune. Yeah. This. I. Yeah. So this stylistically for Metallica at the time was super different, and I've you know I've read that James was really nervous about putting this on the album. Well, it's a love song, isn't it? Basically. Which yeah, is, but it's so different from Metallica, isn't it? And yeah. I guess he's, you know, that kind of Chris Isaac, Wicked Game vocal sound that we've just previously referred to. Yeah. You know, it's very different from Metallica. Clean guitars. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a great song. I think so. this lyrically is really great as well. I've really liked this. And the Never Open Myself This Way. Yeah. Um, all of those sort of... You see, that this is a song that invites you to into the lyrics, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not listening, you are listening to Lars's lazy backbeat, but... It's a, his use yeah. of toms on the fills on this as well is really clever. Just really beautifully produced, I think. Such it's, a slow tempo as well, isn't it? Yeah. So much space yeah. in between those, um, uh, what are we, six, eight dotted crotch? Are we thinking that way, Brett? Uh, yeah, I would guess so. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah actually, I, I've got something really geeky to tell you about this. I've arranged this for a classical guitar ensemble a few years ago, this song. Wow. Mm. That's really sad, isn't it? And mm. geeky. Geeky? Not I sad. Put, I put it in six, eight. That's in 6-8, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I think of it that way. Well, these were recorded to clicks back then. Do you think, do you think, but this is like a tempo that to, to capture this and not to play that sort of in this tempo without a click and to, to make it and get that f- final product, I think it's just that. I wouldn't know. It doesn't sound like it is, but it's no. so mm. slow. Unless you have one of those go, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I didn't play any of it. What, what bit shall I play? I don't I'd, think do you need to I don't think you need to play this James Hetfield's solo in this is great yeah so it's James did, Hetfield not Kirk Hammett playing the guitar so solo did you know this is a, a good little fun fact for you Kirk Hammett didn't play on this track I don't think that's true I, I'm going to think of the bit there's a clean little bit in here I know the song well because I've arranged I tell you I've arranged this for a classical guitar ensemble <laughs> there's um there's a little bit that he plays that I'm, I can't get my guitar to do where it goes where's or something like that. I should know that better than that, shouldn't I? Um, mm-hmm. That sounds to me like Kirk Hammett, but I might be wrong. Ah, well, from what I'd heard, he didn't he didn't play any of and it. And didn't he co-write it? Which suggests mm. that he probably wrote at least the intro or something. No, it, the intro is the bit that he famously said he had to relearn it or learn it when they went out on oh, tour. So all of that, um, the quick bits, is James, I didn't know that. James Hetfield played the intro. All of the... Um, That's James Hetfield. There's a quick bit at the end of that. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No, I've learned something today. But that's my word. You know, that's something I've read on the internet, so it's got to be true. Oh, yeah, if it's on the internet, it's true. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Also, um, just worth talking about James Hetfield's vocals and vocal sound. Yeah. A lot of this is single-tracked as well, which was a new thing for him. Yeah, you listen back to old old Metallica, um, everything was double tracked and he had that kind of thing like oh I need to be double tracked because it makes my voice sound good Yeah, which you know obviously you listen to this and his voice sounds amazing 
Um, and a lot of this album's the same. He, you know, he didn't. Bob Rock kind of co- coached him not to double track. Just be confident. Just be confident just, yeah. in how good Amazing. his voice actually is. What a great song for him, though, because not clearly he's done all the guitar parts as well as that sort of yeah. really, really powerful vocal. Or it's not powerful. It's powerful because it's not his usual powerful vocal. Yeah. I mean, the guitar solo is a classic guitar solo as well. Really memorable and perfectly played and yeah. fits it perfectly. It's, it is a really fantastic song. Mm. Really, really, yeah, great stuff. Uh, track number nine of Wolf and Men. Oh, uh, hang on. Oh, this is my favourite riff on the album. Is it? Yeah. What, this? Yeah. That. So I yeah, it's when that, that offbeat guitar comes in. It's the offbeat thing. Is it my head... Or is it that bit? No, it's the off-free thing. Well, <laughs> Maybe we should have done like a karaoke guitar podcast instead Ooh. of this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> on this album instead. Um, um, on all the albums, perhaps. <laughs> when, uh, what, well, all Metallica albums? No, all the albums, <laughs> ever. <laughs> <laughs> when that offbeat guitar part comes in, um, and my favourite bit is when you get that double kick roll at the end of the, like, as it goes into the main riff, it goes... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, Very clever. Not convinced on the lyrics in this one for me, but the riffs, again, it's all about the riffs, isn't it? Yeah. It's all about the riffs yeah. and the groove and the drum sounds. The and, sounds. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. You get that double kick come back in um, on the chorus tagline, the back to the meaning, back to the meaning of life. You get Lars going, again, which is just brilliant. I love it. Yeah, I love it. love it. Um, the God yeah. That Failed? The God That Failed, track 10. No. Oh. Hang on. Is this getting boring? So everyone knows that you know. <laughs> everyone knows that no one's listening to the guitar because the bass riff is so. Oh cool. yeah, yeah, I should have played the bass riff. Oh, I've ruined it now. That's gone, isn't it? Moment's uh, gone. Yeah, it's great. Great bass riff at the start of this song. Really cool. It's nice to get the sort of bass features so much because it's not. It's just there to support the the drums and guitar, isn't it, throughout the album? But to get something that's yeah, up it is featured. I think I really like Jason Newstead, and I don't know why. I've always felt sorry for Jason Newstead, but I don't know. Yeah, if you I want. think a lot of it stems from the and Justice for All, you know, yeah, where he played but it, you can't hear him. <laughs> yeah, but um, and, yeah, he always came he across always as a good guy. guy whenever, yeah, I'd, but the, yeah, the bass part in this is yeah, yeah, it's great. And um, track eleven, my friend of misery, which has a great bass That's, intro again. Yeah. Yeah, um, which I've, I've heard recently that he re- this song was going to be an instrumental, so that Jason wrote the bass part as the intro to an instrumental on the God that failed. No, my friend of misery. Oh, okay. Yeah, track eleven. Uh, yeah. Did yeah. you? Oh no, this might be something else that I might have either got off the internet or made up. But I think the God that failed is written about James Hetfield's mum. Have you heard this? Nope. So she died of cancer, but she was a oh, I, I, I her religion. This, yeah, she I've got to be careful with religion because I don't want to get it wrong. She wasn't allowed to have a funeral, and she wasn't allowed to be treated. She, I think it's a type of Christianity where she didn't. It's not Jehovah's Witness, but it's one where she didn't want the treat yeah. the cancer treatments, and so perhaps she died sooner than she could have with medical intervention. And the, James Hetfield wrote this song about that. I, I think you're probably right there. I'm going to go back and listen to that again with that in mind because... It's a sad I story. I think I, that's really sad, isn't it? Yeah. I watched that this week and I, on the same story or, or the same... Am I right with that? Have you seen that? I've seen I've watched. I've watched I, the story about her 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 dying and stuff. I, I watched. I haven't... I didn't... I, this is like from 
something I read years ago. So, but in the, in the same four minute video of James Hetfield's life, it was the which I didn't obviously everyone else knows about. It was how how burnt he got on stage when the pyros went up in his yeah face. on this yeah, tour yeah, yeah. on the tour with Guns and Roses. I think it was he, on. didn't they finish the tour with um the guitar tech playing? Yep, and yeah, he was back guitar, sixteen yeah. days later singing. Um, with all yeah, bandaged he had up. third degree burns then he on his arms he was right near the pyro yeah. in the that was on the um, the year and a half documentary wasn't it the year and a half that's shocking the, the part two yeah mm. it's really sad he's, he's had a tough tough time of it bless him over the years mm. I think as a kid watching that was really shocking in the documentary and, and there was boobs in it it was just one of those <laughs> things that was mind blowing <laughs> as a kid watching that documentary and so, on so many yeah. levels and something that came out um, very recently about him like only last year um when they were playing is that he got total anxiety about going out on stage because he said i don't feel comfortable enough i'm too old to do this and he said that the support from the the bandmates that actually got him out the dress room to get on stage he said he'll never for, forget uh, well, how oh, i read that recent, this, this is, is a this recent, a recent thing. thing yeah yeah this is yeah i think i've, yeah. I've read yeah, like last year last year it happened um he said that the support from the crowd and i thought i was really touched by that yeah he's um he's had his fair share of problems hasn't he and, and, and losing demons. the bass player in the in the the bush crash as well in the early early yeah, days and um, i think that just touching back to jason newstead as well i think that's why he he was never really you know it was never really sort of part of the band because he didn't of, fill those shoes of cliff burton yeah like, because yeah. he didn't fill those shoes and i think yeah it's, it's it's quite sad really but i i can't he do, couldn't but because yeah because the band was still yeah, hurting yeah, about yeah he was he was taken that, in such you? an unfair way and yeah, yeah that the band were yeah it was everything was so raw wasn't it Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, shame. Uh, so, last track, track 12, The Struggle Within. We haven't talked about My Friend of Misery enough, have we? Well, we haven't heard the oh, riff or anything. We can, we can, do we, are we going to play the bass riff <laughs> or not? We were trying to get over that oh, okay. <laughs> here in the riff. Have you got your bass, have you, Joe? No, I haven't. Oh. Do you think there's bits of this that sound like really early, um, like Def Leppardy kind of new wave of what, uh, what to are call we it? on the here? My Friend of Misery. Yeah. I just. That's something I noticed. I don't listen to the end of this album for a while, for years, and um, that's something that just stood out to me. I was like, "This reminds me of other kind of like early '80s, but more heavy yeah, metally rocky." Well, Lars was massively stuff. influenced, wasn't yeah. he, by the new wave of British heavy metal or new album, as you. And there's <laughs> loads of vocal so vocal harmony. Put it new album. It is. They do call it new album. Yeah, I made that like, up? I, I don't know. If it, it's. it's uh, <laughs> It's the initials, isn't it, for new wave of British heavy metal? Yeah, but I d but I've never said said or I've never said it loud Yum. myself or heard it loud, and it was. Quite, I think uh, yeah. I've heard it. I think I've heard someone say "nwobum." <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me after a few pints down the local talking to it's, a Cornish dude. It's quite a nice word in right your on mouth. Boy, it's it feels nice coming out of your mouth, doesn't it, New Wobble? <laughs> Gosh, should oh. I play a riff quickly? <laughs> track 12? Yeah, go quickly. <laughs> uh, so track 12, The Struggle Within. Oh, it's E again. Um, Love an open you, E riff. What do you think of the intro to this then, Brett? Because it's like a different feel, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. Like a marching band. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I love. I think on my notes I wrote when I listened to this, love, love the lift into the guitar solo and the double time feel as well. Um, and the biggest thing for me, I'm, I'm going off tangent now, is, is the BVs on this song. Yeah, there's a lot of backing vocals and in I, there, and, isn't there? And yeah. the one thing I thought was how much maybe does the album miss more of that or, or no? It's really unusual for Metallica though. Yeah. So I think yeah. the backing vocals you get in this are it's, a it's, massive... It's a, prom, it's a prominent harmony, step. isn't it, in the, yeah. in the, in the chorus? Yeah. I love... Um, going back to the, the marching thing, he's, he's really into his orchestral stuff, Lars. Um, he does a lot of timpani stuff and, and I think that's probably a lot of 
stems from that when you know from this sort of feel that he he did in this okay. song he, he does a lot of marchy stuff and snare drum stuff and big timpani stuff in orchest- orchestras and stuff I I like in this song the bit where you get that high feedbacky guitar where it's going like a, and feeding back and then that. it's great in it mm-hmm. I got the right song haven't I you're both very yeah. quiet then yeah no it, was, can you hear it is it too quiet yeah, <laughs> I was actually thinking about the intro um, and when when I listened to this recently because I haven't heard it for a while it, the, the this whole intro bit with the marching kind of drum feel feels like it's something that they were just doing noodling with in the studio. And it happened to be recorded and yeah. then it was put at the start of the song. I think you're right. Because it doesn't it's, feel it, like it's an yeah. integral part of the song. And the sound isn't been produced to match the rest of the, the sound. It's yeah, almost it's like, just, just the vibe of it is, yeah. is that kind of like, Sunken you know, like a band is in, you know, when they're, when they're jamming, it's just kind yeah. of loose and natural. and Could well be. I love that. I love that sort of stuff. Do you like, uh, I like the key changing this up into the chorus again. It goes up, yeah. a, it goes up a tone, doesn't it? The yeah. same way that, sorry, sound music geeky, don't I? It's the same key change that Enter Sandman has as well, that upper tone. Yeah, to, it goes up, yeah. Which, Great. which is all over this album, but it's also even Master of Puppets and all that stuff does that as well. It's a, it's a standard rock affair, but it sounds, sounds so good in this, that, yeah. just that lift up. Uh, it does work a treat, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Right. So that's it. Let's let's look. What's your favourite tracks? Do you do you have a favourite or that you know? I think for me, it's Enter Sandman, just because it's the most iconic song for me that I've grown up with and heard from them. I I, I guess not being you know having the album or listening to the album back to back until we you know studied this. Um, I think that's is, is a great song. I love love the sounds, love the feel. So that would be mine. What's yours, JD? <sighs> I think I've got to go for Sad but True. Oh, I was going to go for that too, but I mean, nothing else matters is such a great, unusual song for them. But I don't know whether you know that thing of like, if you had to pick a song off the album to play to someone and say, yeah. "This is," I'm and not I sure think that's, that's the one. That's what that's what led me to Sad but True because <laughs> anyone who's, I mean, there's not many people left on the earth, is there, that haven't heard some of this record and certainly the bigger songs. But this would be the one that I would play yeah. to say, "This is this is." This is this album. It's certainly got the swagger, album. isn't it? It sums is, up yeah. the album really well, doesn't it? It's, it's the got, massive change from the speedy stuff that yeah, they were known for. It's got for the, the slower first. tempos. It's got the the swagger in the backbeat. It's got the really big sound, and James's vocal is is great, strong, and powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great stuff. Yeah, cool. Great album. Cool. cool. Are we going to finish there? Do we, do, do you want any more riffs from the album? Are we? I think we've had them <laughs> think, all. Yeah, we? I think we have. Oh, is that the time? I think I think. Oh. I think we need to be going. Have you got the power button there to turn <laughs> it? Ah. Should we say bye? <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it, could you? I'll turn it, I'll, I'll turn it up. <laughs> oh, no. Thanks for listening. Please check out our band, Damn the Wolves. Find us at damnthewolves.com and please follow us on all the usual socials. 